Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here we go. This is it. This is what you've all been waiting for. The Daniel Craig section, where we're going to let people give him praise, which is unlike any episode we've recorded. So, <laughs> so yeah. Right. We've got most of the people on this on this section we'll call Steve, although one of them's pulled out now. Uh, Steve Bird can't be with us. But we've got uh, we've got Mr. Steve Spring here. So good evening, Steve. We've we've had you on uh, one of the songbook episodes, but I think we talked a bit about No Time to Die, the song, but this is your chance now to to really pull out all the stops. No pressure, mate. No, I, I don't even know what to say anymore, to be fair. <laughs> I, I don't even dare tell you how past my bedtime this is at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, well... I, I'm literally so, I'm so tired, I could literally slash my wish right now. <laughs> very good, very good. Ah, but he, you took that out. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, guys. What he actually said was, I wasn't going to break that glass there and use that to slash my wrist. I haven't got a glass. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, though. So we've got Steve. We've got another Steve. We've got Stephen Carty. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Hello, everyone. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, three hours into this, uh, Stephen. Sorry to... Sorry, sorry to yeah. You watch No Time to Die in this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good to have you back. We've obviously had you on the, the Man with the Golden Gun review, which was a lot of fun. Gibson, Gibson, <laughs> uh, just that factual, but good to have you on. Right, the other chaps we've got on this section are Double O Kevin, who we've uh, said hello to. Great to have you on, another American guest, Kevin. Yes, that's right. Thank you. And Glad again, to be here. Thanks for waiting so long. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Is it a different day now in in America? Is that, is that... No, I'm a day behind you guys at this point. It's almost uh, <laughs> it's almost five in the you, afternoon here. You caught up in time, a bit like when you go. Anyway, yes, good to have you on, uh, Kevin. Seeing as we haven't spoken to you before, is Craig, is he your favourite Bond? Yeah, yeah, he is, for sure. I would say so. Good lad. And why, and why is that? I really, I really want to get, get to the Bond. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I grew up with 
uh, you know, the very, very first Bond movie I saw was Goldeneye and just fell in love with it. And it was a, a rental that my mom brought home. And after that, I just had to see like everything that this guy was made of. So, you know, just grew up in the Brosnan era. And then, um, yeah, coming out, coming out of Die Another Day, you know, definitely, definitely respect the love that's been shown. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't too like high on it. I didn't hate it, but I was just like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I guess, you know, that's, it is what it is. And so going into Casino Royale, I just, I had no idea who Daniel Craig was. I hadn't seen anything of his. And yeah, that was like my sophomore year of college when Casino Royale came out, just going in blind. Um, I didn't obsess over the trailers like I am, no time to die and all that. So it's just completely cold. And then you see this guy strangling a man and tr attempting to drown him in a bathroom. I'm like, what, what is this? This is completely different than what I was expecting. And then just to go into that gun barrel. And then just from then on, I was like that cold open. I was like, this is my, this is my guy. Like I'm in. So um, I've just been on the, on the Craig train ever since. I'm a, I'm a big fan. That's unbelievable. I mean, we'll go into a bit more later on, but are you sort of, hoping that No Time to Die seals his legacy? Or do you think, even if it isn't as good as the others, you think he's, he's done his part now, basically? Yeah, I think as, as, far as, as far as I'm concerned, I think what, and, and I think the conversation has gone on about, you know, in hindsight, give things some time. I think we'll see and start to appreciate as time goes on and, you know, inevitably a new bond comes along. It's like, wow, they were actually trying something new with a, like this separate continuity, giving this character an arc, you know, from beginning to end. I think that's something, you know, in the original 20, you get those threads of continuity with callbacks, you know, to Tracy and, and previous adventures. But I think it's going to age well. I think we're going to look back and say like, wow, that was, a, that was a unique experiment to where we could have this contained story of this guy, you know, starting out in the double O program and then, you know, continuing on until he's, till he's done. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to what I think we all agree is going to be more of like the, the adventure, like one shot adventures. But I think uh, it's, it's been good for me to see, you know, a unique arc for the character. Do you wish uh, Daniel Craig had sort of done a just a one-off random, you know, mission that was normal? There wasn't anything emotional in it. Do, what would that have been like? Yeah, I think that could have been. Yeah, I think that could have been good. Um, I kind of, uh, I kind of uh, lean on Bloodstone <laughs> a yeah. little bit for that one because that's a that's a solid game, and uh, I just now discovered it maybe a year ago. And uh, his, he's actually really great in that. You know, his, he, lent, he lent his voice to it. And uh, I think it's actually really good. I'm hoping No Time to Die kind of has that vibe to it. I know it's going to have, obviously, threads to pull and, and wrap up. But it kind of has that feel to it, I think. We'll see, how that, we'll see how that works out. It looks a bit more fantastical just from the trailer, doesn't it? It looks a bit more yeah. on than inverted commas. But uh, Gert as well. We've got Gert. Great to see you, mate. Um, we've had some great uh, chats on Twitter we love James Bond and just thought we'd let you just have a chat about the Daniel Craig here. And have you grown up obviously with lots of different bonds? Is he your favorite? Do you think? Well, acting wise, he's certainly my favorite, I would say. Um, and I think I got interested in, in the more emotional part of James Bond character when I was watching Honor Majesty's Secret Service for the first time. And that was, I think in the early 1990s, when there was a whole Bond uh, series from the 1960s on Dutch television. And 
for one weird reason, there were scenes cut from Honor Majesties. So I wanted to know more about the movie, so I got more fascinated about it. And also about the fact that, that Lazenby played him only once. And I think he was a great character. I think he, if he was doing it more often, he would probably, he would probably really uh, got a Daniel Craig-like era. Uh, but we know all what happened. Um, but the film is full of Im- incredibly well-acted scenes. You know, the wedding proposal um, between Bond and Tracy, that's almost like Hollywood quality when you watch it cinematography-wise. And I was always hoping for that kind of seriousness to return. And it came. It, it arrived with Daniel Craig. What I really like about Daniel Craig is... He's an actor, uh, in, in and but he will before before the Dan, the Bond films from Daniel Craig, he was doing like smaller art house pictures, you know, art house movies, uh, and I think that fleshed out is his kind of emotional gravita on the role. I think it really worked, even with with movies like Spectre and Quantum of Solace, which were not exactly well written, but. He was always there playing someone that you can touch more easily with. It's not just a superhero from a, a pre-Marvel Universe era. It's, it's a human being. And I think most people can relate to human beings. Obviously, escapism is important as well. And I come to that later because I also think in this era of the pandemic, I think we've all had it now and we are actually longing for more more Roger Moore like fun but for this particular era I think that Daniel Craig is really the, the best actor playing the role mm-hmm. so yeah I'm I'm really engaged in his um his his four bond films and you were also asking me what is my favorite film I find that actually very difficult to ask to answer because I think the best James Bond actor is James Bond I always say that everyone brings a certain uh, tone to the franchise um having said that if you ask me which is the which is your favorite Bond film from the crack era I would probably say uh, Skyfall why when i first watched it and it, it is a bit like um, a negativity uh interwoven here because when i watched casino royale for the first time uh the cinema broke down halfway so i couldn't wow. see casino royale in full. that's like a nightmare for a bond fan and with quantum of solace i was just very disappointed i i obviously i re-watched casino royale and then i saw quantum and i thought it's like there was a writer strike going on <laughs> when you watched that movie. And then with uh, Skyfall, I made the horrendous mistake of, well, I bought a ticket and I invited uh, a friend and, and we were going, but I really misread the date. It was one day later. So we were standing there and it was not sold out, but I had to go all to the back. So it was not also a very good experience. But having said that, with Skyfall, my first watch was not very good, but the movie to me became better and better when I analyzed the film more. Why? I think thematically, it's the richest Bond film of the franchise. 
Uh, it's touching geopolitical events, a bit like from Russia with love, what Ian Fleming did in the in the uh, with his novels, but also what Terence Young did with the earliest Bond films. I think what I really like about Skyfall is is that it touches tropes and themes that perhaps only director Sam Mendes could have brought to the franchise. And I'm talking here about something at large, espionage. It's really, um, and I find that the interesting part, not just because it's a James Bond film. I mean, we talk a lot about the details, what we see in front of us, cinematography, etc. But for me, um, I've always been a bit of a fan of the Sam Mendes films um, before James Bond uh, a little bit. But I think when you look at the themes of Skyfall, which is uh, looking at espionage at large, what is happening to the world geopolitically, how Silva is being written as maybe slight, slightly larger than life, but still grounded in reality. To think about Julian Assange, WikiLeaks and that kind of stuff. It's even scary if you look now uh, to the world that, and, and I think Neil Purvis and Robert Wade also mentioned it, that actually a lot of James Bond movies in rapid pace become almost reality. You know, it's like, baffling if you think about it but i think that's very fascinating and i also think the late ian fleming i think when he would have been living in this era now corona pandemic trump uh 2016 and until now i think the man would get another inspiration in flux again to write novels and mm -hmm. i think i feel that with the with the daniel craig bond films they are rooted in a bit more uh, yeah, themes uh, that we would like to see. And it's not just James Bond, but also I think Skyfall is not just for me one of my favorite Bond films. It's also one of my favorite spy thrillers, literally, outside the Bond franchise. And I think that hasn't been done before, maybe at the very start with Dr. No and From Russia With Love, when, when the character was not fleshed out completely yet. But I think that's, yeah, that's why I, I still think Skyfall, you can see so many little tropes. I give you an example. You know, Ian Fleming, uh, Ian Fleming loved the character, uh, loved the president and uh, John F. Kennedy, of course, and the whole Kennedy family. There are a lot of little tropes in previous Bond films. We talked about Pam Bouvier, well, uh, all these little things. And From Russia With Love is obviously... Uh, is obviously the favorite uh, novel from uh, the late JFK. But also, and uh, that was something that I really found so lovely when M was citing the poem of Tennyson, that instantly gave me a drawback to the 1979 Democratic National Convention, where Ted Kennedy was exactly doing the same. So Sam Mendes, don't take it lightly, he really fleshed out uh, the Ian Fleming novels very well. And I think he also wanted to get this 1960 vibes a little bit back. You know, what I always, you know, I think the a little bit the weakness of the villains in the Brosnan era, where that they were just already at the start presented to us and that's it. And what I like so much about Dr. No from Russia with Love, you see Blofeld only the back of his, his head. Dr. No, only a few scenes, but that adds to the mystery 
and the scare of a villain. And I always wanted that to have that back into a Bond film. And when you see Skyfall, it's just like that. Sam Mendes really looked at, at movies, I think, like Dr. No from Russia with Love to get that vibe and add even a little bit more thematically. So that's, that's why I think Skyfall is wonderful. Together with Casino Royale, I must add, but I always say to myself, I, ca I cannot choose between Casino Royale and Skyfall. So That's so good, yeah. You, so you've raised so many points here. Where I think, you know, we need to do a, a podcast episode on all the stuff you've raised. This is incredible. I'll, I'll just turn to Steve Spring now because you mentioned something there, Gert, that you like the, the way his character's grown throughout the, the four films and hopefully the fifth film. But, like, Steve, do you see the character, the Bond in Skyfall as part of that continuity? Because it's like he's an aging Bond then, isn't he? And it's, and it's, it's like, do you wish there'd been that film in between Quantum and Skyfall to just, I don't know, have him doing a normal mission or just doing something in between? Because, of course, it's set straight after Casino Royale, where he's a beginner, and then Skyfall, he's, you know, he's past it. So it's, like, it's quite an odd jump, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been re-watching them the last few weeks. I actually watched Skyfall today, and I think you can really see that that jump in time between the two i've always considered them to be the first two and then the second two and they feel like different worlds to me completely i think the younger sort of one the world they were creating in casino royale and quantum of solace i actually kind of prefer that to where they kind of went but yeah definitely they they did a probably too much of a jump and i think obviously at the time skyfall was meant to be a one-off kind of mission in the film it was away from the other two in the end but obviously, Spectre's dragged that kind of back in and added that story, which is a bit of a shame, really. But Steve, can I ask you a question? Of course. Because uh, it's true, uh, Skyfall is actually new adventure. It is not directly linked to Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. But I really feel that Sam Mendes also gave a little bit of an ode at moments, not directly story-wise, but at moments to Casino Royale. You see, the dinner scene between Vesper and Bond, where that's where Bond really goes into the deep with a woman. And, and he says, I know what you are doing with this necklace, you know? He's almost like uh, diving into her, her skin, into her, um, like a telepath almost. He's doing that exactly during the scene with Severine and Bond in the casino. At that moment, I felt... The Casino Royale James Bond again. When when Bond was just grabbing the wrist of Severine, almost looking a little bit like Vesper, and then and then saying bluntly in her face, I know when a woman is scared and doesn't doesn't pretend not to be, you know? And then I thought, hey, this is a nice link to Casino Royale. I thought the, the, the strange thing about you pointing that out today, actually, when I watched that, that was the first time I'd actually noticed that. And that's exactly the same thought I had when I saw that scene. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. But yeah, indeed, it's like it's more standalone compared to the previous ones. But there are still uh, Skyfall and Casino Royale tone wise to me are very similar. And even Sam Mendes honors certain things that Martin Campbell did. But I don't know. If I'm, I'm very curious to see what No Time to Die is like. Will it be like the first two? Will it be like the second two? Will it blend the four films and make them join, or the five in total, then join to feel like more of a, a series of films? I'm tremendously curious. I want we to see. <laughs> Not long now. Not long now, Kurt. Is it, is yeah. it out? Um, when's it out in uh, Holland? 
I know you're in Barcelona. Um, it's going to be out on September 30th, but I live in Barcelona and Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it will be one day later, but I've got all my tickets books, booked on the 1st of October. Well, so. that's when we're watching it as well, so don't worry. Mr. Carty, as a, as a film critic, what's the sort of general feeling within the sort of film critic community, if there is one, about Daniel Craig's era? Probably similar to my own in that it's a bit mixed, but up and down. I was slightly surprised when you asked me to take part in this this segment because I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a, a huge Craig fan. I love one of his films, really like another one. Quantum Inspector are near the bottom of my list. I'm more of a Connery and Dalton fan, just to put that out there. Those are my two guys. In terms of um, Bond, I've always said that I think the films exist on a spectrum. And I'm sure you all know what I mean by this. So at one end, you have what I would call movie Bond. So Spy Who Loved Me, You Only Live Twice, GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, maybe Skyfall. You know, the, the big crowd-pleasing, here's the gadgets, loads of gags, mainstream audiences, you know, at, at one end. At the other, I would say you've got Fleming Bond. So For Your Eyes Only, License to Kill, Doctor No, yeah. From Russia With Love. So I would say all Bond films exist on a spectrum. Now, you could say that, you could argue that every film has bits of both. But there's definitely a difference between them. I don't think any one is right or wrong. It's just personal preference. And it might even be what you're in the mood for that day. One day you might think, do you know what? I fancy a bit of movie Bond. Another day you might think, do you know what? I fancy a bit of Fleming Bond. I think in, was it was 2006 Casino Royale came out. Someone correct me on that. Yeah, yeah. So round about that time, it just, it just felt to me like it had been quite a long time since I'd seen a Fleming Bond on, on screen. And I was getting a little bit restless. And... I didn't want to see Casino Royale. It was my dad that dragged me to see it. I said, listen, I've got no interest in a blonde Bond. I've got no interest in a prequel. I don't want to see how Bond gets his 00 license. Bond falling in love again. I don't want to see any of that. I had no interest. And I sat down and I was, oh, black and white. Oh, lots of Dutch angles. Oh, oh, he's in a toilet fighting a guy. And when Craig turns around and shot the camera, and then dun, 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 kicked in. I was instantly, oh wow, I'm hooked. I'm in. I've changed my mind. This is this is this is I didn't know I wanted this, but now this is what I want. I didn't know that this was capable of one film. Now, that's not to say I hate the formula because I can sit down and watch Octopussy and Moonraker and Goldfinger is my favorite bond. And Goldfinger is probably the most formulaic film in, in the series. It was more just, wow, we can do this. I didn't know we could do this. I thought every film had to be the same. I thought he had to end up in bed with a girl at the end of every film. I thought the first girl had to die and then, you know, we had to go through the motions a little bit. I was just blown away by it. Um, Skyfall gets a lot of criticism because Craig's Bond fails all the way through the film. You know, M dies. He fails at his mission pretty much. And there's nothing he really does right in that film. I kind of like that because if Bond wins all the time and if Bond wins every fight and he wins every film you're going to end up going to these films and going, oh, he's going to win this fight. Oh, he's going to win this. You really, I think it was um, Harry, I think you said this in the Casino Royale review, that every now and then it's healthy to have a little kick up the pants, like an On Her Majesty's Secret Service or a License to Kill or a Casino Royale, something that maybe just changes up. And that's why um, The World's Not Enough is my favourite Brosnan, because I like what it tries to do. I like the stuff with Electra, and I like the fact that it's, well, this is a bit different. It's... She's not going to die. She's the villain. I, I like when you get a surprise because I think familiarity breeds contempt. And if we as fans, as much as we love this series, I mean, I love Moonraker. I don't want to see another Moonraker. 
I love <laughs> You Only Live Twice, but I don't want to see that again. I've seen it. And if I want to see it, I'll go back and revisit it. It has to change and it has to evolve. And I'm not saying that means we throw away all the stuff that we love, but you don't want to have Bond in a casino in every film. You don't want to have Bond going skiing in every film. You don't want to have, all right, here's the girl that dies at the start. We've got to shake things up a little bit so that we're sitting in the cinema going, wow, I, I totally didn't know this was going to happen. Because we'll end up getting bored and we'll end up getting to the stage where we think, okay, I've seen this, but I've seen this, but I know what's coming next. Yep, that's what's going to happen next. And that for me was was what Casino Royale did. It really shook me in my chair as to thinking, this is what's possible with Bond now. And, I'm not and saying every I film think, should be like that. I think that feeling, what you described with Casino Royale, also with Skyfall, I think that's how the children of the 1960s must have felt when they for the first time saw Dr. No from Russia with Love. It's so different. It's something so completely new. And yeah, I I, I totally relate to that sentiment that um, that that's the case. And maybe, I don't know how you look at that, uh, Stephen, but Sam Mendes, but also some other directors, they, and even Quantum, they get, they get criticism for their uh, scripts, screenplays. But I think, like Moonraker, it's a perfectly logical screenplay. It goes from start to end, from location to location. It's easy to follow. But I think what Sam Mendes, for instance, did with Skyfall, he wrote a tremendous good screenplay, but with different aims. He wanted to focus on the characters, on hmm. drama, on the dialogues. And by not making certain things of Silva logical, how does he get there and there? And everyone wants to answer that. He leaves that out. He leaves that to, to decide it to us. But in result, you get probably a much more scarier, a much more skin tingling villain. And I think, uh, I think that's also important to note. Um, a script, a screenplay, I think a good Bond film always starts with a tremendous good screenplay. But it's always about the aim you have with that screenplay. If, if, the, if the aim is globetrotting and a logical story all fleshed out in front of you, that could be your aim. But if your aim is to focus on themes, on drama, on dialogue, and, and on really immersive characters, then that could be an aim of a, of a very good script as well. So, yeah, yeah, well, I think we have to remember that films are stories, first and foremost, but yeah. before anything else. And again, I don't want to make it sound like I hate the formula, but if we are so stuck on the Bond formula, we wouldn't have had On Her Majesty's Secret Service or License to Kill. Imagine before On Her Majesty's Secret Service, if someone had said, well, James Bond can't get married. We've never had that before. Bond doesn't get married. Well, you can't end the film with his wife dying on a downer. You can't do that. And then License to Kill. Oh, you can't have Felix eaten by a shark. We've never done that before. Oh, you can't have Bond going rogue and going on revenge. You need this to freshen things up every now and then. And then it's almost like, um, you know what the Avengers did is they'd have like an Iron Man movie, a Captain America movie, etc. And then every sort of five movies, the big Avengers film. I think that might be a way for Bond to go is that you have like your little Fleming Mon and then you move it on. And then like what's happening with the Craig film, Number five is the biggie, because that's, what, hap that's what's, what happened with Connery. If you look at his trajectory, Doctor No is quite a small film, so is From Russia With Love, and it gets bigger and bigger, and then You Only Live Twice is just <clears throat> massive. Yeah, I totally agree on this point, Stephen, about the, the need for kind of difference and an injection of something. And it's, uh, it's quite a strange thing to explain this, but I'm not the biggest fan of the, the Craig films, not at all wanting to say that they're bad films at all. I love them, the, Bond, the James Bond films, you know, they're just, in terms of this ranking, they're more low. 
I have, you know, we love the Bond films, um, but the Craig ones just feature a bit lower. And I also think that perhaps Casino Royale was a little bit of a overreaction to the, you know, the the problems with Down of the Day. However, <clears throat> even though I think that, if the, I'll try and explain this, if there hadn't if there hadn't been this Craig period, the di- the Bond franchise might have fizzled out a bit more by now. Whereas, even though I'm not the the greatest fan of this period right now, it's probably breathed another few decades in. To, to the Bond franchise, whereas had they, you know, carried on with the Die Another Day, you know, the formula that you're kind of talking about, Stephen, it might have fizzled, fizzled out a lot sooner, but whether I like it or not, this it's got new impetus now. It's got somewhere where it can propel forward. Um, mm. And that's, that's a massive, massive plus uh, for me. So even though it might not be to my taste, it was, you know, it was, it has been a shot in the arm that, that it did need, I think. Well, that it, that, will be more successful than had they carried on with the down of the day strategy, I think. It boils down to, I think Daniel Craig, like you were saying, like he's a big part of that, right? Like he's, I think what I like about him too is like breathing in that new life that you're talking about is I feel like he combined, like he brings that Connery vibe back. Like he's effortlessly cool. He's brutal. He's charismatic. He's humorous. He's uh, deadly. Um, and he's tender, like he does everything in Casino Royale. Like he's going, you know, beginning to end. Like he's he's encompassing all of these traits, and he's heartbroken at the end, and then he becomes, uh, you know, the Bond that we know. And I think, you know, Harry, what you were talking about is just breathing that life in. I think that's a big part of Craig. Like he just brings that that cool factor that that might have been uh, that might have fizzled out, like you said, if if we hadn't gotten somebody in here who's just effortless and. And uh, I appreciate that he approached it with intentionality. Very similar to, um, you know, Thunderballs. They, they shared that clip from the uh, Everything or Nothing doc with Dalton's talking about, you know, I want to get back to being real. You know, this is the, the Bond series had become a bit of a parody and, you know, it's losing depth. It's losing character. Like Dalton had that same approach. And I think, Craig has that same approach. You know, he's, we, we got to approach this. This is a real person. Let's get back to who this guy is and make it real. And, uh, and that's what I love about it. And, and uh, yeah. And, you know, Skyfall, that's my favorite movie, man. Like they, they have their cake and eat it too in that one. Yours too, um, Kevin. Is Skyfall also your favorite? It is. Absolutely. <laughs> they, cause, and I think Spectre, uh, Spectre gets a lot of the, uh, the spotlight for bringing back the the formula, but Skyfall has everything in the formula. They just do it. They don't. They don't. They don't hit you over the head with it. But all the elements are there for the formula that that you want out of a Bond movie. And overall, I just love how it highlights Bond's perseverance. Is he burned out? Like, is he going to mm-hmm. walk away after getting shot and uh, dismissed? You know, is he going to just say to hell with it and and walk away? He's tempted to, but in the end, you know, does he answer the call when he's needed? You know, that's the big thing about the movie. Like he's going to, he's going to push through and he's going to do the right thing. So that's what I love about that movie as well. That's just, <laughs> I love, I love Skyfall. It's so good. I, just, uh, just in regards to Craig Eric, so I'm a ma- massive, massive fan of it. And obviously I'm excited for the next couple of weeks, but the one really big thing, which doesn't get spoken about is 
the, the box office. Now, obviously, because I'm into my films, I've always been really sad with box office numbers when I was younger, always loved it at school and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, you can't compare a modern day Bond film to the 60s and whatnot, but obviously you get the adjusted for inflation box offices. And one thing since we started the series a couple months ago, which completely blew me away, is that if you look at the, the average gross per film of the actors, adjusted for inflation, Craig is the only one anywhere near Sean Connery. And if you look at the state of cinema in the 60s, it was very much a studio system. And, and Bond was the, the, the biggest thing that I would say arose from that, that, you know, actors were brought in, you can do this this year, that next year, stapled in. It's really incredible for me discovering all this Craig stuff, because obviously, you know, we knew it was a big hit over here. It was Skyfall, what, the second biggest box office hit in the UK after Star Wars 7, which is similar territory with old franchises. And I always look at the Craig stuff and haven't, really realise the scope of it. When the Craig films come out, it's not just an event, but everyone I know seems to go to them, even the people that aren't big on Bond or film. Mm. They're at that cinema. I'd go on the evening night to my local cinema, I'd see people from primary school. I've not seen you for 10 years. What are you doing here? And it's really fascinating. But I, I think what comes with that box office is, has kind of, I'm going to jump to the dark night in a second, if you let me get to it. But... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Acclaim has came with it, critical acclaim, uh, Oscar acclaim. Yes, you know, award seasons are very much down to good marketing or, you know, some might not be taken seriously, which is, is absolutely fine. But this has really jumped the, the, the Bond films into this public image. And obviously, I'm going to be the guy that says it absolutely in a million years, Brighton Award should never have won an Oscar. I'm going to get that out of the system straight away. <laughs> um, absolute monstrosity of a song. Um, Skyfall, on the other hand, I'm not going to absolutely fart. I love that song. But it's been really interesting for me because obviously when, when Casino came out, I was, I was 10. And when Skyfall came out, I was 16 and I just started studying film. And Spectre came out and I'm not going to lie, I was hyped because of Skyfall. But also there was a new Styles film out in two months' time, which was the be all and end all for 2015 for a lot of people. So it's been really interesting, like the, the way in which the Craig films have come out across my life, you know, Quantum Solitaire's 12 and, you know, an, an action shoot them up film. I'm in fact because I don't really get it. And, it's been amazing the last, not even a few weeks, but the last few years looking back at the Craig gear, realising that I think it's very much ahead of itself. And I've only seen Spectre fully once, and that was the opening <laughs> night. And I am I, I am <laughs> dreading watching it next week. I'm trying to give it another go. But um, I, I sit there and look at it, and to me, like Skyfall is like one of the, the epitomes of British cinema. And uh, going for what Gert said of the themes. Uh, I mean, the Skyfall video is out on Tuesday, but it wants to hear me sort of really like go go up it and how good it's but there's so much going on in that film and i sometimes look at that and i see the data night obviously they've gone for the, the whole joker 
you know, he he wanted to get kidnapped so he could break up stuff out. That's fine. I'll, I can let a plot hole slide because, you know, if you're going to dive into Bond plot holes, then I don't think many Bond films have ever had a chance and I, I can let anything slide for Bond in truth. But it, it just, t- to me, it took it to the next level of, of filmmaking and what really struck me in the rewatch this week for Skyfall was, was Sam Mendes because obviously his background isn't action. And I know that in the, the Craig era, they've tried to go for the auteurs, the people that aren't, you know, you're necessarily action orientated and that can backfire. And I think it has backfired in, in, in one of them at least, but it's been really interesting how the Craig films have brought in the mass public and kind of what we're talking about when, when you get five Marvel films a year, DC, all of these other ones, the fact that Bond can come in once every couple of years and it's still such a draw in an era, where I think a lot of films would blow up. You know, we've had a star Wars film bomb with solo. No one would have thought that five years ago when they're announced. So it's been interesting to see how how the Bond film has adapted over the last 15 years and even jumping ahead to No Time to Die. Obviously, you know, I've, I've got some personal types that film with my old job, so I can't really delve into that too much. But everything, I mean, I, when Danny Boyle got stacked, I was buzzing. And that sounds really horrible. But I think he would have been a horrific choice to direct a Bond film. And I was so traumatized. I don't mind the short of the Queen. That was fine. But him directing a Bond film was alarm bells ringing for me. But you when they brought it. in Fukunaga... If anyone's seen True Detective season one, that is one of the, the greatest character pieces Whoa. I've ever seen on TV. Yeah. And they got that guy to do not just a Bond film, the final Craig Bond film. And it's the first ever time they've gone into a Bond film knowing this is this actor's final, final film and we're going to cap off a story with it. So getting Fukunari in fact was one thing. And then you can raise the question, oh, has he done action? If anyone's seen Beast on Nation on Netflix, I thoroughly recommend that. That was phenomenal. I just said it was Rob Levinoski on Nation. But the big thing for me since this is, if anyone's seen The Pacific and uh, Band of Brothers, to me, two of the greatest shows on TV ever made as well, well, Band of Brothers, Kerry Fukunaga is now doing the third one, which is filming right now in England. And that's about the RAF. And if he's been good enough for HBO to direct an action series, then he must have done some stuff on Bond action-wise that I'm not saying it's new, I'm not saying it's different, but if he can bring in his blend of drama and his action, I'm honestly approaching no times. I may be from a bad standpoint that I think this is going to be one of the best Bond films ever made, but I'm honestly expecting to come out of this film, looking back at the Craig era as, as, and in in the future could stand out as a, here was the series where we had a story of beginning to end for a James Bond. And you don't want that from every Bond, but for it to look like in the grand scheme of things, maybe when we're at the 70th anniversary, that this would be this own era. It's really exciting for me, but I, I think cinemas are ready for it. And even with the whole COVID stuff, you know, the box office is going to take a hit, but the marketing they've done, I know this one's really dumb. If the film was going to be bad, I'm not saying they would have sold it online. I don't think we'd be getting two or three new marketing things a day. They've hit this September the 1st button and they've they've overmarked the film, which I think is a sign of confidence I've not seen in a production, especially with COVID. So, I'm I'm on this sort of knife as you know, they would know right now this film is good or bad. It's their job to market it. And I say they've been successful with me because I'm overhyped. But would they really be getting DHL adverts out? You know, would they really go into all of this? Because I've never seen a film being this heavily, intensely marketed in such a short span of time. So sorry for the for the for the film ramp, but they are, the, the, they this are, film. They are marketing this as the first real post-pandemic corona. Mm movie and it's shaping up like that we saw it with shang chi already uh one and a half week ago and i wouldn't be surprised if 
No Time to Die is actually doing some stuff at the box office yeah. uh, in weeks that is going to surprise us. Well, there's actually a press screening on Tuesday. I just yes. got an email today about it. The 28th. So the, the, yeah. the review embargo is midnight. I'm not going to be a, a bragger. I, I was buzzing to be invited to the press screening. You know, it'd be a fat dream as a Bond fan, but I'm going to the premiere. So that was the politest pass I've ever done on email in my life. <laughs> but, um, the fact that there is one, though, is encouraging. Exactly. For Spectre, yeah. there was no press screening. And what you'll find is with these films, big films especially, if there's no press screening, often a sign that the studio is shitting themselves or they know it's terrible or they think this is going to be a bomb and we want to limit word of mouth getting out there. Like with Venom, the first Venom film, if you like it, fair enough, but they knew that was not going to be a big popular film. So when I reviewed that, I had to go and see the morning screening and then literally run to the BBC to speak on air because they would not show it to anyone beforehand. So the fact that we are getting a press screening for this on Tuesday, I would say is quite encouraging. Um, and the, the premiere as well. You know, yes. when they announced it, it was, oh, Daniel Craig's going to come with Barbara Broccoli mm. and Michael G. Wilson Fukunaga. Then, <laughs> yes, they was. Here is the entire world associated with No Time to Die turning up. Bar Ralph Fiennes and I think one of uh, Christoph Waltz. They're the only two that aren't. Really the fact that so <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's 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 just amazing that like for me as a film guy, we're getting this first big premiere. I'm sick and fed up with these online screenings, these, you know, oh, here's the stars at home in their bedrooms. I get we can't have them, but the fact that Bond, they're even flying over like Billie Eilish from the States. You don't need to do that, but they're treating it as an event. This film, I mean, that's Shang-Chi. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen it, sorry to hype Marvel on this channel, but Shang-Chi's a phenomenal, loved it. And that's just saved the box office in America that is showing that these films will make money at the cinemas. And I think Bond's going to be the UK version that that weekend everyone's going to flock. I mean, my local cinema is showing it 25 times. And I think that's also a very smart way to, to sort of not have full screenings, but enough that if there's anyone nervous, they could half go knowing they might not have a full screening. So yeah, sorry to, to, to sort of steal the mic. But I, I think I mean, in terms I, of... I serious... Is it possible, yeah, that as, you, as you've said, that this is studio's attempt to save cinema from the ravages of COVID? I mean, they tried that's what I think. with Tenant Tenant's going to be the one last year that yeah, would have pulled everyone back into the cinema, and it didn't. It, oh. it died, which is a shame because it is a good film. But is this? Do you think that this is the right? Let's get people back into the cinema. Let's get people moving, and it needs I this so. big premiere. To I think it's a bit of both. But without playing devil's advocate, aren't they hemorrhaging a million pound a week or something like that? So yeah, oh, they're losing money. Sure, they can't delete. They will lose Listen, money, I think, but it looks much better than... I am desperate for this film to be brilliant. I don't want to be a naysayer. I want this to be a brilliant, brilliant film. I just think you've got to remember that when you're losing so much money per, month, per week and you have put so money, much money in anyway, the situation is not going to get better with COVID. You've just got to put all your eggs in one basket, haven't you? You've just got to throw the kitchen sink at it without putting every cliche into it. But you know that you you've got to. Nothing to lose. Yeah, and I think I think yeah. you're right about that. And I think it's also important not to focus just on the gross box office figures, the the sales of the tickets. Yeah. I think it's also very important to look at the investments that have been done. And I do think, and that's a critical aspect. Purely financially, I'm not talking now about, about Daniel Craig and my love for Daniel Craig's uh, movies, but 
I think the bond producers threw a bit too much money at will uh, at, at the recent bond films. And if you look at the return on investment from uh, the recent bond film Spectre, I mean, if, if your film costs $300 million and if Sony is only getting around 15% of the profits, that you even can negotiate that as a bond producer. That's already uh, like Blofeld. But anyway, <laughs> and then also the movie grosses $880 million. Make the calculation, the movie in the end made losses. And I think that's where Cobby was a bit more of a mastermind uh, financially. And I think Barbara Broccoli is a bit more focusing in comparison to Cobby on the creative side of things. And I think that's a little bit unhealthy. Having said that, I do think that I wouldn't be surprised if No Time to Die uh, in the US even slightly outperforms on Shang-Chi and can maybe even gross on the first weekend, let's say 85 to 90 million, even in a COVID era. But I do think the film will lose some money. I mean, it's inevitable. But it will do something maybe to the Bond franchise at large. And it will also put pressure from Amazon on the Bond producers if this goes well. Hey, uh, we are now co-owner as well. Now, if the FTA approves everything in the US, we are now co-owner as well. You want to be doing the creative stuff. We are the investors. And we want now, based on No Time to Die now, a new Bond film within three years. And then it will be interesting to see what happens. <laughs> I, that's I think, it, uh, wait, that's the one. Sorry, Rob, Increase this frequency. Let's have more. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Frequency. I mean, I think you can have both. A perfect, wonderful Bond film, A, and B, do them a little bit more often. Stop doing the non-Bond projects. I'm saying that, I mean, that's also swallowing a lot of time. Film stars don't don't die in Liverpool. Uh, the rhythm <laughs> section, which which was a flop. Barbara, Michael, please don't do that to us. <laughs> it's a Bond film. It's the. I most think this will be their last film. I wouldn't be surprised if Barbara That's and Michael walked away after this film. It's it's quite an important film in general for Bond because I reckon this film will have a big say on Craig's overall legacy. Because whether you like his films or not, most people are agreed that he's got two very popular films. Yeah. Casino Royale and Skyfall and Quantum Inspector, which are near the bottom of most people's lists. So if this film is rubbish, which it could be, I think Craig's <laughs> legacy might be a bit more negative. But if this film is really good, then he'll be seen as one of the better Bonds. It, it's funny to watch Skyfall now, because if you look at the plot of Skyfall, it's probably perfect for Craig where he is now, being old and yeah. being almost past it. Yeah. One of the problems with the Craig era is maybe lack of planning and the Casino Royale was a great start and then Quantum followed up, but there was the jump from Quantum being brand new agent, Skyfall, always over the hill now. The, the plot for Skyfall would fit the end of Craig's Bond time perfectly. Do you mean also planning behind the scenes, production-wise? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because, absolutely, yeah. I fully agree with that. I mean, now the Bond producers still haven't reserved space at Pinewood Studios. For the upcoming three years. The thing this is, though, I don't it. agree with the fact I know that, about Craig, that I don't think Craig's era is serialized. It's often referred to as serialized. I am not on board with that at all because Casino Royale, you could watch as a standalone film. Quantum of Solace is definitely a follow up, but Skyfall as a standalone film, you could watch that on its own. It's just Spectre that tries to retroactively yeah. cram yes. the plot together, this which is really ill judged and heavy handed and doesn't work. I think. Two of those films out of four are standalone. 
You can watch Casino Royale and Skyfall on their own. You don't need... It's not like Marvel where it all fits together and every film has... It's just... I wonder if Marvel was the influence inspector. Like, oh, right, okay. This, yeah. These cinematic universes are popular. We should maybe try and get in on that with Spectre. We haven't done it, but we can try and retroactively fit it and, together with Spectre. And I think also, I think also, we forget that Daniel Craig has become co-producer. He has so much power now, also as a producer in a way. What but the Bond producers could have done is proposing to Daniel Craig, hey, we want to flesh out the Blofeld and the Spectre arc a bit longer, like we did in the 1960s. Like take two or three Bond films for that. Craig yes. didn't want it. Craig wants to work on a film-to-film basis. So, and Barbara Broccoli almost sees Daniel Craig as a co-boyfriend almost. So it's like, uh, it's like basically uh, he, she wants to do everything for Daniel Craig. And obviously from an emotional perspective, I understand that. But from a professional perspective as a Bond producer, there are really some planning issues. You saw it with Spectre as well. The scene on the, the, the bridge at the end where the helicopter with Blofeld dives on. It had to be in a movie because of production planning. And then the script was written around it. It's a bit weird. You first write a damn good story and then you do the rest. How good would the end of Skyfall have been, though, if it had cut to a shadowy figure in a corner stroking a cat, you know, just as a lead into the next one? Maybe, maybe we get it with No Time to Die. Could be that maybe there is something with Blofeld that we still don't know. But indeed, what you say, that would be... I wouldn't, but still, when I saw Pussy, when I saw White, I always called White Pussy. <laughs> when I saw White Pussy Inspector, I was like, "Oh my God, my White Pussy is back!" <laughs> I love it. I'm also not just a Bond, <laughs> I'm a huge Blofeld Inspector fan. Yeah. The I origin can... story of the pussy. Yeah. Where's the license to swear where you need it? I just wanted to bring <laughs> the really double some lads in into the chat just i think we might have discussed it before but harry you did you say on the review of casino l that it was based on the novel so it wasn't necessarily a new thread of new prequel sorts of things all going on it was just one new based on the book it didn't necessarily intend to go in that direction afterwards because the way it ends you know oh i'm bond now this is it i think the audience could have been forgiven for thinking right that's an amazing one-off we now go back to a more normal one. But yeah, one of the mistakes might have been that Quantum, people like this, let's make more of them. So. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think it's a comment that I individually made. It was something that we discussed and sort of the group was split in terms of could it have ended with Casino Royale and move on from there? Or actually, you've made the audience invest so much in this dark, gritty, pretty miserable bond and this love story that really the next film you've got to follow through on a little bit of that you can't completely move away from it i don't know what the uh, the answer is but they certainly from that decision to sort of pursue quantum of solace and this journey that we're now apparently coming to the end of but it, it, but even then after casino outlet i thought that was the end of the journey and then but it's 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 spectre that's made it all supposedly supposedly linked but that makes it interesting to work out how Safin fits in above all this if he's part of the journey as well. It's a, a, perhaps a little bit like making, I, I don't want to diss Star Wars, sorry, but George, sorry, forgive me. But in terms of 
you know, not really knowing where Ray's origins were, you know, you can make oh, up yeah. as you kind of go, you can kind of go as you go along, make it up. And maybe even a bit like Lost the series, which, I, you know, I'm a fan of and I don't want to criticize, you know, you can have fun for as long as you want. DJ um, Abrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I do love him. I don't want to criticize him, but still, it's just a sense of how have we known what we're doing all along? And so, I'd, yeah, I, I don't know. After Casino Royale, I think I would have liked them to have just had a nice departure and a, a lighter instalment to the series. And like some people are saying, kind of on the chat here, certainly after Quantum of Solace, before you got to Skyfall, have that lighter adventure so that there is some time before he's thinking about retiring again. Maybe because he retires in Casino Royale, doesn't he? Well, well, he thinks about it. Is there, think, is, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but is there a case of the studio can't do right for doing wrong? Because after On Her Majesty's Secret Service, they went to yeah. Diamonds. And a common complaint from the fans is, why did we go to this light, silly film after the ending of yeah, On Her Majesty? Yeah, yeah. we want two extremes, isn't it? Time, is we it? want the gritty Lazenby follow-up. Yeah. Then with Quantum, it's like, well, why didn't we get a lighter film? It's almost as though... Yeah. I mean, at the Whatever time, we go, happy almost... to go back to Connery in a lighter, though the audience were. Just... I mean, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment, but I think you've got to look at the endings of both films. And mm-hmm. one is James Bond crying with his dead wife in his arms, and one is James Bond shooting a guy and saying Bond, James Bond. Now both they both had the aspect of uh, he is grieving uh, the person he loves. But one is very much a sense of despair, and one is very much a sense of he has become Bond. Yeah, there is a. They there, are different. They are different, and the implication is that when he says Bond, James Bond, and shooting Mister White is almost a sense of revenge in a sense, and it is now I have become Bond, and now we move on. And what the what the I was listening to Cinema Savvy's review of Quantum of Solace the other day. And, and I heard about Michael Wilson was already writing the script for Quantum of Solace. Really? At Casino Royale. That I, I St- heard that. St- he started the stories whilst making Casino, which he didn't do the script, but obviously they must have been on set, thought, you know, maybe we're onto something or whatnot. But yeah, the, the, apparently he had story ideas and he was going into it. And I think that's why when you look at the trajectory, the writer's strike, that's why Quantum, I don't want to say failed because I know people oh, love it, but... He's a great it, writer, back, Matthew Wilson. He's a better writer than producer in my... In my yeah, I mean, well, I this is what I think as well. The 80s films are superb, the script. I, I think with, with Quantum, you know, I, I always... I mean, we spoke about Batman Begins. Like, look at the way that film ends, that he is Batman now. He is this, and that was the year before Casino. And the, what the Bond franchise has done, I mean, a lot of franchises, they're just chasing not what's popular... But, you know, Batman Begins in 05, massive. That definitely inspired Casino. Dark Knight inspired Skyfall, that showed out. And then you've got to think Avengers was the big hit in 2012. You know, oh, it can work a team at film a billion and a half dollars. This is going to change cinema. Ghostbusters tried it. Obviously, Kong v. Godzilla's just, just finally done it. Everyone was jumping on the, cine- the Cineverse bandwagons. And I think that's where Spectre came into it, that they could have jumped in. It was like, oh, let's make it all connected. And the one thing that gets me, that I get irate by, which is putting off rewatching, is like, Oh no, Silver was one of us all along. I was like, he, he wasn't there, was he? Like, jog on. And that's the bit that gets me with Spectre. I, you know, I, I mean, the, the stepbrother thing is absolutely us and nonsense, but the Silver is more of an insult to me to Skyfall because Quantum became Spectre. It's fine to link to that, but it just it doesn't take anything away from Skyfall on the rewatch, but it's just going to make Spectre look even dumber. And that that was my worry that they're chasing trends. And what I want to jump in with that. When they're, you know, Barbara Rock said a few weeks ago that they've got a plan for the next generation. 
you know, I'm not saying copy Marvel, but step one, get an actor in place, get them on a multi-picture contract, like what Marvel do, get them on for five films, 10 years, however many you want, get your planning done, get it sorted early. Because the one thing I'll say, you know, we spoke about MGM's financial issues. Every Bond film just has insane issues. I think you're going to be safe at Amazon. You know, they're not going to run out of money anytime soon. Exactly. I'm happy if, that if, Amazon is now actually co-owner almost. Really? As long as this is as long as this is cinemas, I don't care. But I think financially, they're now in the first time in decades to be like, we can actually plan out four or five. So whatever comes next after Craig, I'm I'm really hopeful. And I think they've got some big decisions to make. As you guys said, is Barbara Broccoli going to stay on? Is Michael G. Wilson? I, I think my money's on Michael G. Wilson retiring. I think Barbara Broccoli will stay in. I think she'll very much do what Cubby did and take a back seat, still high up, but they'll they need to bring in someone younger to yeah. oversee it. I think I think personally, um, and also expanding a little bit on that, I think Barbara Broccoli is different from Cubby. Uh, you can see that, and I think Barbara Broccoli has already more interest. You saw it. You saw it also in the the documentary, being James Bond. She is very emotional. She's very much attracted to Daniel Craig emotionally uh, because of what he experienced when he was launched as James Bond. Creatively, Barbara Broccoli will stay along. But I think something is going to happen like what happened with Star Wars when George Lucas uh, left. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Williams and even maybe a producer of the choice of, of Amazon are going to do something because, you know, you, you can feel it also in the, in the responses in the press from Barbara Broccoli. She's, t- she's saying openly, I cannot, I cannot imagine James Bond after Daniel Craig. I mean, Cobby would have, have rebuttaled her and said, come <laughs> on, there's always be James Bond, you know? <laughs> and that is, some, that is a clear sign. I think Barbara Broccoli is emotionally and maybe also creatively tired of, of James yeah. Bond. And I wouldn't be surprised if both producers are given it a day and that slowly they, they, they separate the 007 James Bond from Ian Productions maybe and that something then will happen and then maybe Barbara Broccoli stay on as a creative consultant or whatever. But I currently I cannot see Barbara Broccoli and Michael Wilson to uh, even Craig Wilson to come back in within three years with a new Bond film and doing what we wish that uh, an, an actor is being casted who doesn't mind to be typecasted, but who is still a very good actor. I don't see that under the wings of Barbara Broccoli happen, actually. Here's a question for everyone. Would anyone be happy if you came back for another one? Raise your hand. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I... I'd be, I'd be is it, this is Craig, right? I'm sorry, that's a dumb yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Daniel Craig, if it was announced he's coming back for another one, would you be happy? Anyone? It depends on the story. I, if not, Rob, I, your hand. I can't see Rob's hand. Who thinks Craig's a bigger laugh than me? <laughs> <laughs> Steve's got his hand up. I think it would depend on, on how No Time to Die does, if I'm being honest. I think you'd need to know how the last film does before then yeah. being... Oh, oh, he might come back. Then I'd be like, oh, right, well, that's fine. But it depends how this film wraps, you know? I, th- oh. I think I can't... It makes I can't James Bond three. an awkward documentary, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know, they, they run into this... <laughs> anyway, yeah. they've, just, they've said for years it's his last film. You can't do another. I love him. Yeah. But you can't market the film on being the last, the last Craig film and be like, I'm back again. I was like, no, you're not. This isn't how it works now. So, so I, I don't think he works. Never say never. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, that, <laughs> how many times did Roger Moore come back? Yeah. You know, he was supposed Watch to leave after For Your Eyes Only, and he did yeah. another three. So. He didn't have a document. Would Craig, always a two would Craig be Roger Moore's age if he came out for another by the time View to a Kill came out? But Granddad the Bond. They wait the same amount of time, I think. <laughs> yeah. They were already writing the script for the next ones anyway. So it didn't really matter. And, and so, we know they're not now. Yeah. That's the problem, isn't it? We yeah. know they're not writing anymore. So it's tricky. Sorry to hijack the, the, the channel and turn it's like a film thing. But <laughs> no, no. I, um, I wanted to bring Steve Spring in um, in terms of. Monkey piss yellow. The, the spectre. The spectre hashtag. Are you monkey piss yeah. I mean, that, if you didn't like that one, does that mean you haven't really had much good bond in a decade now? Isn't it? So there's a lot riding on it, isn't there? I, do you know what? I quite. I don't hate Spectre, but Spectre wasn't the film I wanted. It. The, the thing that Spectre gave me was the Bond fandom, because after I watched that that was when I wanted to talk Bond with other fans because I, I didn't like it and I didn't know why and I needed to speak to people that actually watch these films and ask them why why don't I like this and yeah so from 2016 that's kind of when I discovered the Bond fandom so I do have a little bit of nostalgia for that film but the monkey piss yellow hashtag a guy at school used to say <laughs> monkey piss yellow all the time that's just uh just the pre-title something. sequence wasn't it or was it the whole film no, the whole... oh the whole film <laughs> Snow is, not meant, snow is not meant to be that colour, Tom. <laughs> Unless you do something in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. yeah, I'm, I'm hoping next time it's on ITV to get that trending. So if everybody could join in for me, <laughs> yeah. that would be fantastic. Jim Fanning Friday, Monkey Piss Yellow. I do like, I do. <laughs> I try to be positive. But that's the one thing about Bond yeah, I'm consistent yeah. about. Monkey piss yellow every time somebody yeah. mentions Spectre. So is it going to be a Twitter on Twitter? Monday piss yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you've been trying to rewatch all the Craig films before No Time to Die is out. And where are you up to at the moment? And what, and what are you thinking so far? I'm halfway through Skyfall. I've enjoyed it a lot. Not just Skyfall, but I've enjoyed everything I've seen. Yeah, I think. I, Look, I, I want to. I want to certainly look at this through grown-up eyes and with the positive. Like Steve, can I invite you in, Steve? Hey, here now. I'm <laughs> I'm really sorry. I have to say something. There was an episode where Rob said something about I'm not even going to watch No Time to Die at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, and then he changed his mind instantly. He, no, he didn't. He went. He went quiet for 15 minutes, and I was thinking for that whole 15 minutes, I really want to punch this guy in the face. He's getting on my nerves. Now. <laughs> <laughs> He came, he came back after 15 minutes and he was literally like, I've had a word for myself. I was out of order. I will go see it. And at that yeah. point, I was like, all right, it's all right. He's, he's had a word for himself. I don't need to have it. So I, yeah, I you thought... can't have it. <laughs> look, look, at the end of the day, these are movies, aren't they? They're, these are opinions about movies. There's nothing more serious than that. <laughs> you know, we can be as passionate as we like about them, but these are just movies at the end of the day. This might not be, the current iteration of, of James Bond might not be to my taste. doesn't mean it's not to everyone else's taste. I think if anyone who saw that interview I had to do on talk radio last week saw, th the guy tried to wander me into a bit of Craig bashing. I wasn't going to do it because I don't believe in that. I believe that Bond, the Bond franchise needs to be loved and protected and, and put on a pedestal. It's magnificent what's going on here. It's absolutely incredible. So I don't want to ever put it down. Just because the last iteration ain't my taste doesn't mean that I'm going to put the whole lot down. So no way. Um, I really want this to succeed. I've really enjoyed actually going back through the last couple of days. Um, as I said at the outset, 25 films, these 25 films are 20, you know, are 25 of my favourite films ever. 
So <laughs> it's not, this isn't something I'm going to be sort of like, you know, thinking I've, you know, done something extremely controversial about, to be honest. But um, it's one of those things. Just let's all love each other. This fandom is better than, you know, sniping at each other about, you know, minor issues or whatever. Let's just love the fact that we've got 25 amazing movies. They're going to keep making them. They're going to keep making them because of what Daniel Craig's done right now. And I think that we should all just get behind it. I think that's it. Let's all just have a good time. Love each other. Have a good time. And sometimes I think doing this, like in a Zoom call, because we are all on various parts of the world, I think that is creating even more uh, understanding with each other than than tweets, you know, because tweets are also, in a way, it's a polarizing medium nowadays. Uh, I I sometimes call it also anti-social media. That's creating parts, divisions within fandoms. Uh, I wrote about uh, about it on jamesbond.nl. But I think in the end, doing this, you know, uh, seeing each other, uh, talking with each other, uh, it also shows more respect. It also uh, cross-pollinizes certain ideas. And I also see now, yeah, I watched Die Another Day a little bit because of this. And that's the beauty maybe of this as well, you know. I think if we all just keep smiling, we're all going to be fine. Something about the the division, etc., that I think is very interesting is um, social media is really bad for nuance and context and tone. Is, and I often find that when you see these arguments developing, the the point is often lost somewhere along the lines, and tribal lines are drawn, and people will take a side. And I'm often from the outside looking in on these things, and I think that's not really what someone was saying or whatever. And it's important to stop and look and say, a lot of people have said recently, it's just an opinion, it's just an opinion, it's just an opinion. And it is. I completely agree with that. I mean, I love Diamonds Are Forever. It's one of my, I mean, I love that film and it's often trashed. I love The Man with the Golden Gun. And everyone hates that film. I love so, Man with the Golden Gun. It's, it's like, all oh, about just <laughs> opinions, though, I think. <laughs> for me, for me, the issue or the problem is when someone is just relentlessly negative and they will not pass up a chance to shit on something. And you just know when there's a conversation, you're like, oh, here's this guy shit on this thing again. It's not I the fact that. they don't like it. It's the fact that you've seen them day in and day out coming in and yeah. bashing it again and again and again. So it's, it's not the it. fact that you disagree with their opinion. It's the fact that, fuck me, it's this negativity again. Because when you're part of a fandom, I think stuff like that is toxic and it spreads. And then someone else will read that and go, well, I'm just going to get back in there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Leave it goes off in a direction. Not here in the fandom. That's what yeah. I saw. And it spreads. But surely that's on them. That that's on them. For, you know, we can exclude them. You know, like. But also, what's the what's the point? In there, you can just exclude them, can't you? Yeah, but well, what's you, the point? What, what are you people? Getting it's all very there? well to say, well, you just don't have to follow them, or you can silence them, or you can mute them. You can, but then it just spreads. And if someone's going on about stuff day in and day out, sometimes, sometimes it's healthy for someone to say, just give it a rest, man. You know, just you don't need to moan about the same film over and over again. You don't like it. Fair play. I don't need to hear about it every single day and every single conversation. Move every on. Single if, you, if you don't like the movie, move on. Don't yeah. stop yeah. complaining. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Talk about the stuff you like. Like Evan with Die Another Day. I fucking love how Evan loves Die Another Day. It's one of my favorite things about Twitter. Yeah. It's brilliant. More people should be like Evan with Die Another Day. Yeah. And that's the mold we want to go on. I'll I'll just say a few closing words, guys. And 
I think I'll just quickly, Chris, I, I just wanted to hear your... Goldie. Yeah, Chris Goldie. I just wanted to hear a few of your final thoughts having... Yeah, I haven't um, heard him. <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted, having digested all this this chat, I just wanted to know <laughs> final thoughts. Final thoughts? I think it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> I don't know. I think I think what everyone has said before is is, is been really valid and been, been really interesting. I think it's it's a fascinating franchise, and it has its ups and its downs. And we you know we all agree that you know we'd love it, but you know there are moments where you sort of are much more sort of enthusiastic than others. But uh, you know I think it's I think it's uh, yeah I think it's 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 a great series, and here we are talking about it. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. Oh, brilliant. Thanks, guys. Chris, one thing, though. The other day you tweeted okay. um, saying you were out with, running with your dog, but there was no picture of the dog. What's going on with that? <laughs> the dog's still alive. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the picture, though, it was such a tease. It was like, I'm out with a run with my dog, and I'm like, cool, let's see this dog. Where was the dog? It's an invisible dog. It's a tribute to Dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> it's an invisible dog. That's the best thing in the world. Thanks, John. Rounded <laughs> version of the yeah. Dino of the Day. Hey, mate. No, thank you guys for joining us. It feels all that's left to be said is <laughs> take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, guys, happy anniversary. thank you. Thank you guys. so much. It's been a lot of fun. The marathon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. We love you intensely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, Douglas, that podcast, keep the uh moving going keep keep the strong going y'all keep the strong going cheers oh, Lorenzo. Thank you, Lorenzo, deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.